Hey everybody, and welcome to another edition of the In Layman's Terms podcast. I'm Steve Lehman, News Channel 5 sports anchor and play-by-play voice of Belmont basketball. In today's show, we'll chat with New Orleans Pelicans Director of College Scouting, Adam Barnes. Of course, Adam played here at Belmont for Coach Bird and goes down as one of the most impactful walk-ons in the history of the program. Grew up in Clarksville, great family, military family. We talked to Adam about how that influenced him growing up and what led to his decision to come to Belmont, how he and his teammates remain tight to this day, and then how he took a finance degree, working in an accounting firm, and then made the transition into an MBA front office. We talked to Adam about how he's not the only guy in the NBA with Belmont ties today. This school is growing a strong reputation in NBA circles. So we hope you sit back and enjoy today's conversation. Make sure you like it and subscribe to get future notifications as well, because we've had a lot of fun this winter with all of these different conversations with newsmakers around the sports and Belmont athletics. Thanks again for tuning in. And now our conversation with Adam Barnes of the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, Adam, we got to see you in the Curve Event Center just the other day for a basketball game. Great to talk to you again here on the podcast. Absolutely. It was good to be there. I wish the Bruins could have pulled it out, but it's always good coming back, you know. Yeah, for sure. So you're the director of college scouting for the New Orleans Pelicans. And I I guess let's go back just a second. When you were playing at Belmont, you know, part of those Bruins teams, did you ever think, I'm going to come back in this building someday on behalf of an NBA franchise and be watching a game and looking at guys and and the talent on the floor here? To be honest, if I was being completely honest, I would say not in a million years. Um, (laughs) It it was, you know, it's always an interest of mine. Uh, Like we were really close on the team and uh, myself, Ian Clark, uh, Karan Johnson, who's currently on staff there now, uh, Brandon Baker as well. We would always play NBA 2K in franchise mode. So we would kind of do some of the stuff as far as like, you know, drafting some of the players on your, your team and everything. So there's always an interest there, but to, to be able to come back and call it work, um, I would never have thought that. So we're fortunate to be able to do it. So director of college scouting, the title says a lot about what the job is, but for those people who aren't as familiar with the intricacies of an NBA team. I think a lot of people know, obviously, the head coach. They understand the role of the general manager, but there's so many other people involved in the structure of an organization and how you ultimately get to the guys that you have on the floor night in and night out. So what is your role on a day-to-day basis with the Pelicans? Yeah, so the basic, my title, just all, it's all-encompassing for the NBA draft. Um, so director of college scouting, I'm basically one of many. Uh, Like I work for David Griffin, who's the vice president of basketball operations. Uh, Trajan Langdon's our general manager. Uh, Bryson Graham's our assistant GM. And that kind of all filters in through, um, basically through a process of, I'd say about 10 people who go around and look at whether it be college games, international ones. There's so many like college alternatives now um, to where you're basically either watching video, you're traveling to go to see some games, traveling to go to practices, you on the phone a ton talking and trying to get basically as much information as you can on the, the draft eligible prospects. 
by come draft night. Um, so you can make basically the most informed decision as you can at the time as far as what your your team needs and who like the most talented player is that's coming out in that draft. All right, let's back it up and, and get to yeah. some of your Belmont career before we dive a whole lot more into the NBA stuff, because I know there's a lot of good good stories to get to there. But you grew up in Clarksville, re- recruited, but you decide to go to Belmont as a walk-on. What led to the decision to go to Belmont, come to Nashville, play for Coach Burke? Yeah, like my uh... – so my dad's in the military, just to for one. So I I grew up, or I was born in like Atlanta, Georgia area, and then we we moved. And because I had a September birthday, my maybe it's because I talked too much as a kid. My mom wanted me to start school early, so I uh, graduated high school when I was seventeen. So after I graduated, I was still able to play AAU for one summer, um, and that's where the Belmont thing kind of really. Uh, came about. Um, I was fortunate enough to graduate with, you know, good grades and everything like that. And at the time, I really wanted to do, because I liked my AP physics course my senior year, I really wanted to do engineering. Um, But I really wanted to also play basketball as well. So uh, Belmont, you know, has a great business school. My mom really pushed the academics piece, um, the the values that the, the university had. And we, I had a neighbor that was a Belmont grad, and my mom uh, basically made me spend a lot of time with uh, with my neighbor that summer. And uh, I'm very, very, very happy that the decision came about. Um, a couple of the, the coaches came and watched some games um, that we were playing in that local – because I played with the National AAU team. So they were able to come and watch some games, and was fortunate enough that they, you know, they let me – gave me the opportunity to walk on at the university. So being your father's son, I have such great respect for anybody who's ever served in any branch of the military because it, it requires such discipline. It requires such hard work. Uh, the servant attitude of doing things for others and protecting all of us. I, I just have such admiration for that growing up in that household. What kind of an impact do you think that had on you and what did it instill in you from an early age? Oh, that was, that was huge. Like you learn so much as a kid by just observing, not even realizing that you're, you're learning, um, learning something at the time that you can apply later. But like my dad, like even to this day, he's, he wakes up way earlier than I ever do. Um, he gets his work done, no complaints, like, it's kind of very task oriented, deliberate with, you know, time management. And like you said, like the discipline that it takes to kind of do that over and over again, which in some cases is not like the most, uh, you know, glamorous type of jobs, but just being able to always kind of come through is the, probably the biggest thing that I took for him over the time. Cause he served in a bunch of deployments, whether it be like Iraq and Afghanistan. So that was kind of tough not to have him around as much but like I understood that it's you know bigger than than just me it's bigger than us um as far as like what he was trying to accomplish so I'm super super thankful for the examples that he he set for me there's been a lot of good walk-ons over the history of the Belmont program with coach Bird and even now with Casey but I think there's a pretty good argument Adam that you had 
as successful of a, a four-year run or five-year run as anybody in that period. What was your experience like from, from the walk-on guy where you're coming in and I don't know, maybe just happy to be a part of the team at first to a guy that had a key role in one of the best four or five-year stretches in Belmont basketball history. Yeah, those years were amazing. Um, like when, from the time that I got there, Coach Bird, it, I didn't realize what he did at the time, but Coach Bird made it very clear. And he, one, what he told me versus what the situation actually was, was spot on. And he said, if you come and be a walk-on, you will be treated no different than any other player. Um, and just the comfort level that I had with him, the coaching staff, and, and our team got very, very, very close. It wasn't like, oh, you're the walk-on, like go sit in the corner or anything like that. It was like we were all hanging out all the time, practicing. We loved to play against each other. So in the summers, it was a lot of open gyms and, and pickup basketball. And we just got all really, really close. And before you know it, like, you learn the system uh, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to I even earn a scholarship one of the years and started to really, you know, kind of contribute on some of those teams, which looking back at it, like, is something to really be proud of. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm very excited and, like, very excited and, like, proud looking back at it as far as, like, what we were able to accomplish as a group and, um, where, you know, some of those guys are now today. So you mentioned earning the scholarship for a year during your career. We've all seen them now that you get those like viral videos yeah. when the football yeah. coach stands up in front of the room <laughs> or whatever and, and tells the one walk on, you've got a scholarship for the next year. That doesn't really strike me as coach Bird's style, but do you remember <laughs> the conversation and what was that moment like for you? Not, yeah, that is not Coach Bird at all. Um, and to be honest, it's not me at all either. Like, it was, uh, I, I remember that day like it was yesterday. He called me in his office and, uh, like, he told me that uh, they had a scholarship. And, like, I tried to act normal as possible in the in, in front of Coach Bird, but I was, like, almost crying on the inside as far as, like, what that meant, not only to, to me, but my parents, who kind of pushed for me to go to Belmont and, they made a lot of uh, the financial sacrifices it took to put me in the school. So um, to be able to, you know, take some of the weight off of their, their shoulders um, at the time was, uh, was, was like big time for me. So it couldn't happen at a better time. And uh, yeah, coach Bird just called me in. It was just us and, you know, signed it. He was like, all right, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you practice next day or something like that. That's probably how it went. So. Just matter of fact, on to the next Thank item of business you. for sure. Absolutely. We just had your buddy and former teammate Drew Hanlon on the previous podcast. And one of the things he said about that time that you guys were there and winning all those games is he said that that team was so close. And you had so many guys who played the 2011 team, I think had 11 guys that played more than 10 minutes. What do you remember? What's your favorite moment about those teams that had such great success, won so many games and the conference championships and all that. Yeah, Drew kind of, he hit it spot on. Like we were, we were very, very, very close as a team to the point where, you know, some teams have like different clicks and like other guys, like just naturally you're going to hit it off with 
other people and and based on like you know interests and and backgrounds and everything like that we didn't have any of that go on with our team to the point where we you know we were we all lived on campus i think that was a huge part of it so we were always around each other um to the point where we would get kicked out of the cafeteria because it was like guys you gotta you guys gotta go gotta go home um and then from there we would just play video games together and like the off-court chemistry just really just carried on to the to the on-court um because he had a bunch of like i don't know high character guys that really loved each other and really loved the, the game of basketball who were being coached by arguably one of the best to ever do it um so we were just all bought in we were we had this quote that i think is still in the locker room today of it's uh it's amazing what can be accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit and we all were you know you'd see that every day and subconsciously it just became like a thing like there was no like jealousy of drew has a good game cron has a good game ian has a good game mick has a good game we had so many good players and we all kind of played together and we we're all rooting for each other that that was um like looking at some other teams not just in the the line of work that i'm in now you get to see all these different team dynamics um and that was pretty rare uh to for a successful team not to have that tug of war and it just like naturally just kind of happened within our within our group so yeah he said that it was all about winning that on some yeah. teams you'd see the guy who had a great game but the team lost and he was like oh it's okay i played well or the vice versa the the team wins but he shoots over on the night. He's, he's thinking, dang, that, that's not a good night. He said there was no part of that on that team, which obviously makes it special. Is there, besides that and the chemistry aspect of it, is there a moment, was there a season, was there a game, a win, an upset, anything like that, that when you think back really stands out above the rest? The comparing couple different teams Karan's game winner versus Murray State um was that was our last year together Drew wasn't actually on that team that was that was some high level basketball that was being played with with Karan and, and Ian but like if you were wine like that I think the 2011 team where we were playing so many guys um we had our conference tournament uh final against uh Florida Gulf Coast and the game wasn't close um and that game was like we were all rooting for each other. Uh, I had actually got in the the game, you know, walk on get in the, the last couple couple minutes, and for whatever reason, Coach Verb always dropped a play for me, uh, <laughs> which which was uh, I don't know. Like I I thank him for it now. Like even when I saw him this past weekend, and I uh, was able to make a shot. And there's like a picture though of just the bench, and it was from that game. And it's just like you have all of our starters at the time and like the joy that it's like with everybody's faces. Um, and even fast forwarding to Karan's shot, uh, there's a picture of Holden and I, and we're like jumping up and down, just so excited that, you know, we, it's all about winning. We were able to win the game. Um, and that's kind of the moments like you were to your, to your question of things that kind of stand out um, to me. So. I still think that Murray game is one of the best college basketball games I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, that was – gosh, some of those battles were, were amazing. Even then, uh, when we lost at their place in uh, the regular season and then you fast-forward it to, to be able to get the win and when it actually mattered. Or not to say that the, the game at Murray didn't matter, but 
you know, yeah. conference final matters just a little bit more. So just a touch, just a touch. Yeah. Obviously got you yeah. back to the NCAA tournament when we, you were going through all that and, and the playing stuff. Did you have any, any inkling that you'd want to get into talent evaluation or, or get into pro basketball in some way, shape or form? Cause as you mentioned, you, you were a business major, I think focused on accounting at, at Belmont. Did you have any clue where your path would lead you? Yeah, like to be completely honest, no. And and a, a large part of it was you learn so much by seeing other people or you know mentors or um, people in your pipeline that have have done it. Like to just to be completely honest, I didn't even know this was a career path um, when I was in college because it was what do you major in to be in the front office of an NBA team? And the truth is there isn't one um, there's people with all different like walks of life and backgrounds and everything. So it's not like this is like a traditional path um, to where I kind of figured it out after the fact, after I graduated of uh, this is actually what I wanted to do. Cause I felt like I was like most kids um, go to college, major in something, don't know exactly what you want to do, but you have some interest, but then with sports specifically, especially when I was younger, like, what's your favorite uh, subject in school? And I would say recess. And then it would be like, that's not a real subject. Pick something else. And I was like, all right, math. Um, and, you know, uh, then turns out like, no, like recess sports recreation is actually a, something that you can make a career in. Um, and then, you know, I stumbled upon it because you combine like the passion for, for sports with the, some of the business stuff that I was doing in school, um, went on to work for Deloitte, the accounting firm. And kind of have like the sweet spot in the front office because you deal with player contracts, you deal with uh, like the talent evaluation piece. So it's kind of like the perfect marriage of the of what I was doing in college, actually. And how did it initially develop? Because like you said, you went out, you were working for Deloitte, pretty good company to work for, a good place to start out of college. You're in a good spot there. And then all of a sudden, what, you get a call, you get introduced to somebody. How do you end up working in basketball at that point? Yeah, so I always – so the Deloitte thing came about because they recruit um, a county major, especially, especially from Belmont, almost like your high school athlete coming in to play sports. So, like, from sophomore, junior year, you're getting internships and you're meeting people in the accounting firms. And they knew I was really interested in sports. And one of the th great things about Deloitte is – just it's such a large company they have sports clients and that's kind of the the angle that I was was thinking when I graduated of okay I can use the degree and then I can also um, be around sports in some capacity um, but then I just started to to see what I stayed in touch with all the coaches at Belmont I very I talked to Drew almost every day at the time um, Ian had just had his his breakthrough in summer league and like, you know, seeing what he was doing. And then I kind of figured out that the front office was an actual thing. Um, so I was at Deloitte for three years. I'd say probably two of those years I was using my PTO days from Deloitte to go out to summer league and to go to these different, like I went to an analytics conference at university of North Carolina. I'm not a data or a data science or a math major at all, but it was just to, just to meet as many people as possible that were in the business. And, you know, one thing led to another and I got connected to the, the Cleveland group. Um, and it was around the same time I was a year three at Deloitte. I was 
really missing sports at the time to where I came back. I actually enrolled back at Belmont to be a grad assistant in the athletics department. Uh, went to a few classes, but at the same time, the uh, interview processes for Cleveland were starting up and was fortunate enough to, to get it. Um, and I, I don't know, it's kind of funny. Like I technically dropped out of uh, Belmont to go to, to, to go to the NBA <laughs> and work in the front office there in, uh, in Cleveland. So. That's funny. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the timing of you getting hired there was pretty interesting as well. Didn't you like literally get brought in on the day of the championship parade in 2016? Yeah. So I, so it's one of those things where it's like, it just it's foreshadows and fast forward. So I was at, I was actually at Deloitte at the time of the championship parade because I was working in the auditing department and we had different clients and you'd have to go travel and do these like basically site visits essentially. And every year, even prior to that, we would have to go to Cleveland and Cleveland is an easy place to go to. Hotels are affordable. You don't have to worry about anything like, like that. And for whatever reason, like booked it last minute, the dates were mixed up and it was like, we needed an extra night in the hotel. And that night was the, the night of the championship parade. So the hotels were like in the the thousands for a night or whatever. And we were like, what is happening? So we had to get, you know, uh, special approval to, to, to stay. And to be able to walk around during the championship parade and then fast forward a few months later, you're actually working for the team um, was pretty special uh, as far as like just how I don't know how God works um, and you're able to, to kind of see how important that championship was to that city and the, just the time that it was in Cleveland. And then to, to join that was a, was a special thing. To then get there and you, you weren't a part of the championship team necessarily, but you were part of an organization coming off a championship who had LeBron James at home in Cleveland what was all of that like? That that's your introduction to the NBA, Adam. It, I, I know it was, and it was honestly, it was like Disney World. Um, as far as like, I would say those first two years with LeBron on the team weren't even real years in the NBA. As far as like what a normal team has to go through, um, the uh, the uh, those years were. I don't, I don't know. You go through the season and you're. Um, you're just expected to win a title is not like, like it's a special thing as far as like having like LeBron on team, Kevin Love, Kyrie, um, Coach Lou, all those guys were very, very, very like integral in terms of like winning. Um, and to, uh, to be able to be a part of that, like from your early years, just to be able to see it. Um, and I was an intern when I came in. So I'm, I'm doing airport runs and picking up food and all that kind of stuff, which is not glamorous, but just to be, you know, be a part of it and start to build some, I did tickets for, for game day for our operations where um, you just start to build some sweat equity with guys around the organization in that group. And um, to look back at those years, um, it's helped a ton in terms of like your experiences early on. Um, and now you can kind of apply that going forward. Um, so you get a couple years there and then you quickly move on to the Pelicans into the franchise you're with now. 
how do you ascend in the scouting world? And I mean, do you, when you're interning, do you identify a guy, you know, I don't know, is even like in the lunchroom, you're like, that cooks makes really good stuff. Go to, go to her when we go through the line. Like, how do you prove to somebody that you have an eye for talents or skills at that level? That's, that's a great question. Um, People go about a different, they have different backgrounds as far as like getting into the front office. So some like myself, I was a former college player. You have former NBA players doing it. You have former, whether it be college coaches or NBA coaches. And then you also have former managers um, that, that are, that typically do it. There's some, there's some other cases where somebody had a scouting service or something like that, that didn't, you, you don't just have to have played um, basketball to, to get into the, to the line of work. But um, a lot of it comes from early on, do you work hard or you do, are you likable to be around? Um, and if you're working for good people, they kind of like place you in a, in a, in a field or a path that you can kind of grow in. And that's basically what happened for me in Cleveland. I was working for some really, really, really great people. Um, David Griffin was one of them. He was in Cleveland when he hired me, then he got the job in New Orleans and I came with him here. So that's kind of how that path kind of like worked for, for myself. Um, and Trent Redden was there at the time. He's the assistant GM now with the Clippers. And it's just like this tree um, of, of people. And when, you know, they're fortunate enough to, to get jobs, they'll look out for people that um, made an impact on them in, in some, some way. So I got lucky um, to, to just be there. And, and a big part of it that kind of got me in the door was the Belmont program and like the respect for, for coach bird and just kind of what we had done. Um, and just because of the coach bird has literally a million plays that all look the same. And at the time I was in Cleveland, Belmont beat UCLA on the play that went viral of the, yeah. uh, of the back door and panic. A, of the panic, panic play. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I got so many texts uh, that day of, this is a called play. And I was like, yeah, the trigger is the reverse pivot. And everybody was like, that is, you don't see that all the time. So just the IQ that you're, uh, that the IQ that it takes to play in a system like that is pretty well respected from a scouting standpoint. So you kind of get the benefit of the doubt of, um, he might know a thing or two about basketball. So, um, so that's, that's definitely a piece of it, but the other is just your work for really good people who give you a shot at it. As, as a quick aside back to coach bird for a second, I think we all understand now how respected he is around the entire sport with all the awards he's gotten in the last few years since retiring and, and deservedly so, but when you were actually at Belmont on the team, I'm sure you knew he was a good coach and you liked playing for him. But did you realize just how respected he was around the game at that point in time? We have no idea. Uh, like, he obviously, great coach. The The system that we ran, uh, it worked. And he got players that fitted. And, like, his offensive mind um, – I haven't seen anything like it as far as, like, what the stuff that we were running and – how he taught it, like he's he's one of the best to ever do it for a reason. But 
you get so caught up in like like Tyler Holloway, who's an assistant there now, he would always kind of tell us and he would say, like, what you guys have is really special. Like, this is not normal. And when you're in it, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, we're just going to go and, like, I, I don't know, the, the winning margin of some of our our games in that 2011 season, I think it was, like, 20-plus in conference. Like, it doesn't yeah. happen all the time. And when we're in it, we're like, who's next kind of thing. And we get caught up in, like, at the time, like, you know, Nashville is not what it – Nashville has grown so much now. It wasn't like it was when, when we were in school. So we get caught up in what we would call the Belmont bubble, which was basically 12 south to west end was our radius that we would go eat at and all that kind of stuff. And you don't think that there's a world outside of that. And uh, to, to then, even when I was in the interview process, trying to get some jobs and when you say, you know, I was a former player at Belmont um, and people's like eyes lit up to say, oh, you played for Coach Bird. And it's like, how long have you been there? Like, wow, he's such a great guy and just great coach. And he's just so well-respected. Um, and the program was, and it's, I think it's helped all of us, to be honest, that are still working in the business. Yeah, and to that point, there's a bunch of guys who are working. Obviously, we know about the assistant coaches on the staff who have ties to Belmont and Coach Bird. You've got the guys who made the jump and played in the NBA, like an Ian or a Dylan Windler at this point. But there's a bunch of you guys who are who are in the basketball role at the next level, too. Uh, we talk about Drew and what he's done, Evan Brads, and what he's been able to do yourself what is it about what you've learned at Belmont or the connections you made, you think, that have made you all successful in the game beyond your playing careers? Yeah, like, it's a great, I mean, great question. Like, I think it kind of starts with uh, the players that um, Coach Bird and the, the coaching staff identify as, like, Belmont guys. Um, it really does create, like, a family um, family atmosphere to where – there are several group texts with all of us on them to where we're just kind of, you know, bouncing ideas. Like everybody loves to come back to Nashville. So like in the summers, we all like kind of meet up and, and you have like all of these people that are good people trying to do things in basketball. And it, be, it just keeps growing. It seems like every year. Um, TJ Saint is another one that was a GA with us. And he's now the, the head coach of the, the Birmingham squadron, which is our G league team. So it's just, it's like a, it's a door that started it like it started shut and it started then cracking. And now it's starting to like really open up as a, as a real path for the program after you, whether you played there or were GA there, like there's a, there's a future in basketball just because the, the program has been so successful largely because of coach bird and what he's built and then what Casey's done um, as well. So it's uh it's been a special thing to be a part of. And I'm, I don't know, looking back at the time, like, man, I'm so happy that I, that I went to Belmont. I'm so happy that like didn't transfer or do anything like that. Cause it's just the bond that we have. is just so, so, so special, you know? So Adam, what's it like with the Pelicans now being a part of kind of an ascendant franchise in the Western conference, uh, obviously Zion Williamson's there. Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, you got some nice young pieces there. What's it like to be a part of that organization and that team, hopefully on the rise? Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like to like to just rewind for a second, like being in Cleveland was like you get there, the team's already established, they're going to the finals. 
um, which is, I don't know, call that a Fortune 500 company that's going to run itself. And then you get to, to New Orleans and it's more so like a startup. So like uh, David Griffin gets down and he's trying to make, um, trying to build it out from, you know, where the team is when we inherited it to, to where it is now. And just to see the growth um, of the, the guys like Zion and Brandon and, and we added CJ last year and um, seeing like being able to take that team I didn't actually do it, but like get that team to the playoffs last year was a special thing for the city. And uh, it's really cool when you can kind of look back and, and see the growth. Like it, we've been through so much down here as far as we went through a couple hurricanes together, COVID and like all of these different things that have like led to where we are now. Um, and it's starting to see some of the, uh, the fruits from that. Um, and, you know, we've got a ways to go, but it's uh from an experience standpoint, like I wouldn't trade it for the world as far as being able to see different things early on. So how did you scout during COVID? Were you still traveling or how'd that work? Yeah. Like it, you didn't really, like it was a lot of video. Um, Cause when everything kind of shut down, there's no games that were being played. Um, but then like when, when COVID, I don't know, when, when we started living again, I should say like different, you know, areas of the country where um, some were playing games, some weren't, depending on where you were located at. So um, if you could drive, uh, if you were like a regional scout and you could drive to, to different places, some people went to, to games that they felt comfortable. Um, but for the most part, it was, it was really challenging. So it did a lot of video, a lot of talking on the phone um, to try to figure it out um, as far as like, just try to get as much information as you, as you possibly can. But that was one of the more challenging things, but luckily like things like Zoom became a more of a thing. So we adapt, like everybody kind of adapted to, to what the, what the time called for. Yeah. I think about how the big 10 and Pac-12 didn't even have fans or anybody in the building for a couple of years. So thank heavens we're back to more normal life now, which means life was out. you're on the road all the time. I, I probably should have started the whole interview with this, Adam. Where are you right now? So I'm currently in New Orleans, currently okay. in New Orleans, uh, which is, I'm st as I'm starting to get a little older, I'm starting to like barely value the, the time at home a little bit more. Uh, but it's, uh, you're gone a lot, uh, depending on different games. And you just kind of want to see, honestly, you want to see as much as you, you possibly can early on, because you don't know, like, if you approach the year, like the COVID year, um, in terms of like, oh, yeah, I'll see these guys in their conference tournament and the conference tournament never happens, then you didn't get to see them. So, uh, or if, uh, you know, a guy gets injured and doesn't like return to play, um, you didn't get to see him. So you just kind of want to see as many people as you can like early on. So make sure to schedule pretty busy. Um, so I've been traveling a ton this season. Um, and actually just got a flight canceled because of the, uh, the, uh, the ice storm that's, affecting like some of the, the southeast southwest so you got to deal with that it's a lot of commercial travel a lot of early flights um so there's some parts that are not glamorous but at the same time you're you're traveling you're getting to watch basketball um and you're meeting and talking to people and hopefully eating some good meals along the way so like i have zero complaints about the job so it's been, uh, it's been great <laughs> as a foodie i'd love to pick your brain about good meals at some point in time uh I'm curious, though, of the overall schedule. 
I don't know what the easiest way to break it down is by week or month or for the entire season, but how many games do you see in, in a typical week, month, year? Yeah, like it, it kind of like, so the, what will throw that number off is during uh, like Belmont went to, I believe the Cayman Islands this year um, for a, uh, for a tournament over Thanksgiving. Yeah. And if you're a scout and you go to those events, there's four games in a day and you, st- so you're, okay, I went to see four games this day. I saw eight the ne- or four the next day that makes it eight. And if you do that enough, the, the amount of games you go to is just going to be this ginormous number. But I'd say you probably, I currently probably travel, I'd say two thirds of the month. Um, hardly, hardly in town, but you come back, like your, your trips aren't that long. So you do, three, four day trips and you try to see as much basketball in that area. So if I was in Nashville, for instance, like is Vanderbilt in town is uh, like, even like up to like Western Kentucky, any of the drivable places from that region um, that you're in, you try to see as many, many games. And there's like a, a, a master schedule um, based on the region and you can kind of build trips out of that. So um, it's, there's some strategic elements of it. So like if there's a really good game here, you need to see this prospect, you start there and then you kind of build the trip around that. That's the best way to, to kind of explain it. So when you arrive at a site to watch mm-hmm. a prospect or to watch a game and see everybody on the floor, I always have this debate with people I know in basketball circles, because I know some guys who are like, I'm all about the eye test. Don't give me the analytics. Don't give me the numbers. I just want I want to just watch the guy. And I'm I like the eye test. I think you can see a lot from that, but I also have a, a big numbers side of me where I, I think they don't lie. You know, if a guy can shoot it over a good long period of time at a high clip, he's probably a good shooter, even if you don't love the release and, and some of those sort of things. So where do you fall? between the strict eye test of what you're seeing in front of you versus any of the numbers as you look at the prospect? Yeah, like I think ideally they're able to do both. Like like what your, what your eyes see and what the numbers say it should kind of go along and be consistent with each other. And if, and if there's a case where they're not, which is the essence of scouting, what are the reasons why? Um, is it a situational analysis? Was the kid going through something off the court that was affecting him on the court? Is there, like you said, is there something like mechanically wrong with the shooting form? Is there, I mean, there's so many reasons that impact uh, why a player is efficient or isn't. Like, is the, is he the only player on the team and the coach gives him the absolute green light and gets almost upset with him if he does not shoot the ball, which is not necessarily always the right play. Like there's so many like other factors that kind of go into it. So there's a, we have an analytics department and they'll like, you know, come up with like, these are the guys that are, uh, you know, sorry, statistically having great years. Then you have like some of the scouts and a lot of it's like the McDonald's all Americans who are having like good years. How are we tracking those guys? Um, And then from talking to, you know, your coaches, people who actually know the players, like what's actually going on with the individual off the court. And then you kind of just put that all together um, and teams do it differently, but you put that, all that information together and then try to make the 
most informed decision with the with the prospect. So. Adam, as you travel in all these circles, given the fact that you played in college and and played against some really good players along the way, do you ever catch yourself talking to like another scout, like when I played against X or someone, you know, like that? Do you ever catch yourself in that moment? <laughs> Sometimes it depends on uh, it depends on who you're like who you're talking to because there's some like. Yeah, I'm not saying that to a guy that played in the NBA. Uh, I'm just listening to their stories, you know. Yeah. Um, but some people, like especially when I was back there this uh, this past weekend, like you were starting to get some questions. Well, what was it like to play here? All that kind of stuff. So depending on where the, the conversation flows, like it is cool, especially like to see like uh, like Torrey Craig, for instance, we played against him at when he was at USC Upstate. And some of the guys that are, um, I guess, either finishing up their careers or um, played against and went on to have like, great professional careers to see them like still playing is, is uh it's pretty cool to see for sure and you were back in town to obviously check out a belmont game and i'm sure part of the assignment was to scout ben shepherd who's had an incredible year for my money right now if we could end the season today should be the missouri valley conference player of the year can you give me the scouts take on ben and how he stacks up i mean can he be an NBA player? He Ben's like Ben's a great player, and he's like the 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 thing that the thing with Ben is like he just makes the right play as far as like what the game calls for. Um, so really smart player. He can shoot it. He's athletic. Um, I can't say like I can't say he's going to be an NBA player. Like more so for for my job's sake. But he's going to give himself a great shot uh, at at being one. He's gonna he's a great kid. He's going to interview well. Um, he's like you said, he's playing awesome. Uh, I don't have a vote in it, but I definitely give him the nod for Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year as well. Um, so when you add all those like accolades up and the, just the character of the person, I think he's going to go on to whatever level he plays at. He's going to have a great career um, post basketball or post Belmont. I certainly understand you You can't say too much on this, but I've got to think he's helped his stock immensely this year between doing it in the Missouri Valley night in and night out. And number two, he, he had a lot of vets on the team the last couple of years where he was a very good, he was the leading scorer last year, but kind of a complimentary piece of a whole where this year he's had to be the guy more times than not. I got to think that has opened some eyes. No question. When you are at the mid-major level um, and you are the guy on a team that is winning and you're the reason why, it matters. Um, and it's there's been a, a lot of successful mid-major players that are playing in the NBA currently from, I mean, most recently from like what John Morant did at, at Murray um, and see where he is now and not comparing Ben to, to job, but like there's – beauty in the mid-major level. Um, CJ McCollum's a guy that's on our team now. Um, and from where, you know, he was at college where he is now and being able to um, continue to play the game professionally at such a, such a high level, like, you know, you see all like the, the, the kids now who, you know, if you're good enough out of high school to go to like the high majors, like I, I get it, like, why not? But like, just because you're in a mid-major doesn't mean you can't make it too. So um, I'm, I'm proud of Ben and, and what he's been able to do and, and the, just the success that he's 
that he's having so this year. So good for him. We certainly are as well. CJ McCollum had a March moment in an NCAA yes. tournament to wrap up his career. We we pray that Ben has that as well for Belmont coming up here because that would be a lot of fun and great for his future as well. Adam, what, what's the future? As we talked about, you know, a decade ago when you were at Belmont, you didn't even know this was possible for the career path that you found yourself on. Now that you sit here, you've had a few years experience, you're having some success with the Pelicans. What do you aspire to do now? Yeah, like, like you said, like one thing that I have learned is that there's so many like factors at play and things that like come about that you just can't predict um, to where like, if I'm being completely honest, I don't get too caught up in like the, the, the long-term term, right? But the path that I'm on now is where I was able to be a part of like two successful front offices and working with some like great, great people. Um, so in the short term, I want to learn basically as much humanly as possible as I can from them. And then, you know, the teams are successful and um, going to do some things like there's a you could look up in 10 years, you could be the GM of, a, of an NBA franchise and that would be amazing. Um, there's so many like factors at play. Like I would absolutely love to do it, um, kind of put it out there in the universe and see what happens. But um, that's kind of the path that I'm on now and just trying to enjoy it as much as I can. Uh, and and just uh, also help people along the way um, and not get so, so goal-oriented where you, you know, start compromising values or, or, or make it all about the job. Like, I think that was, like, the best thing about uh, being in the Belmont program was, like, Coach Bird would never – like, we obviously were there to win games, but, like, he wanted us to enjoy our life. Uh, so he – like, when we went – to our Italy trip and we could have been doing two a days and all this kind of stuff. He's like, no, like, when are you guys ever going to be here in Italy again? Uh, I want you guys to enjoy this. And that's one of the things that I've taken from, from him and kind of applied it to my career of yes, want to be successful, but also want to be a person as well. So. Well, Adam, it's great to see your success. I know a lot of people at Belmont are thrilled about the journey you have taken from the program out of the accounting world into the NBA front office and to New Orleans. And certainly we wish you continued success. I got three questions before we go. I ask yeah. them to everybody that comes on the podcast, because while everybody has their own story, I think these are questions that further tell us about the person and further develop their story, even though they're, they're basic questions that anybody can answer. And the first one is, and maybe we already know, because you started in something else. If you weren't, in the role you are now, in a front office of an NBA team and scouting around the country, what do you think you'd be doing today? You still in the business world or doing something else? The honest answer is probably be in the business world. But, like, I think what I would love to do is be a food critic. I absolutely love food. Um, so that is – that's top of mind. That's the first thing that came, came to mind when you asked that. Okay, I'm going to sneak in two here real quickly then, just okay. because I love this topic as well. Best meal you've had in the past year traveling, and what's your favorite restaurant in New Orleans? Because that place is stacked with food. Wow. Um, wow, best meal that I've had. Um, there's actually – so the Optimist is a 
seafood restaurant and seafood restaurant, sorry, in Germantown. They actually yeah. have one in Atlanta. And yeah. uh, I've been to both. I love, uh, love my time there. And part of like what makes a good meal is like the company that you're with and yeah. some of the stories you tell. But that's that's one that stands out. As far as like New Orleans, uh, the food scene here is unbelievable and there's like few things like you know when you say you're moving to new orleans they're like oh yeah the food's great and uh people are great and all this kind of stuff and it's just like yeah yeah i'm sure but like when you actually get here and you experience it it's just like wow you guys actually undersold how good this is um i'd probably say my favorite restaurant is uh there's an italian restaurant downtown called sophia's and it has some of the best pasta that i've ever had um and pizzas as well and that's that's like right up my alley. So I'm impressed because I love going to New Orleans, but I sort of have like a three day rule with New Orleans <laughs> sure. that I have to leave because otherwise I would just become a balloon or something like that. So I'm impressed you've you've relatively kept yourself in shape living in New Orleans over the last few years. One of the hardest things that I've I've done in my career. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's good you travel so much. That's that's it. The second question though is what inspires you? We, you wake up every day, you might be hopping on one of those early flights to go to the next game or the next city. What inspires you to get up and continue to do your best and continue to reach for the next the next step? Yeah, um, I'd say make my parents proud. Um, like they've sacrificed so much to, to get me here. It's like there's a part of me, I don't know, maybe human nature is just like, I don't want to let anybody down as a person, but especially not them. And uh to see what they, you know, my mom and my dad did for me is just like, I owe it to them to make this 530 flight. <laughs> you know, um, it's not like, a oh, my alarm goes off. Let me make my parents proud kind of thing. But it's in the back of your mind as far as like, no, like this is an opportunity that a lot of people don't get. Um, so let's make the most of it. Good mindset, and I'm sure you have made those parents proud. That's for sure. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> and then the final thing, and maybe we covered it a little bit in the first question here, but I guess this falls under the guilty pleasure type thing. You know, you get done with a long road trip, you just get back home. If the Pelicans won the the NBA Finals, won the championship at the end of the year, you know, put yourself in one of those really great days in life. Mm-hmm. How do you sit back and? And enjoy it all. You, you get that moment, whether you're with family or a, a close friend, or maybe you're by yourself. How do you sit back and and enjoy it all? Is it like a nice bottle of wine? Is it a great meal out? Is it planning the vacation to a tropical beach somewhere? What is it for you? Probably a combination of the three. Like if you put a nice bottle of wine, a great meal, and then you're traveling or in this case, traveling somewhere to celebrate. Um, hopefully, you have a you know a couple of your closest people. Um, like it doesn't really get better than that to me. Um, and just to be able to just kind of just sit there, no TVs, kind of get away from it, and just kind of be present in the moment. That has me written all over it. Um, like that would be uh, like you actually just made my day asking the question. Like even going there um, mentally, <laughs> so like that's uh something that I would like really, really look forward to doing. Uh, Just kind of unplug and just be present. Well, awesome. Adam, this has been a lot of fun for me. So, so maybe one day down the road, once you get that ring, 
with the Pelicans or, or further on in your career. And maybe we'll break bread sometime and enjoy and, and have another good conversation about this. But this was a lot of fun for me. Thanks so much for coming on and making us a part of your day. No, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for having me on. And uh, I'll see you soon.